0: So we're all lined up in the start pen. Um, time is ticking away. I am very conscious that I am going to need every minute I can out on the road in order to be able to get to Bortusan at 6.15 for the, the time cut off in order to be allowed to keep my race number and have a crack at Alp Duez. So I say out loud to you, two, to you, to you both, uh, this is not playing to my strengths. And <laughs> so the beat goes by and Steve turns to us and goes, what? Cycling. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Wait, I didn't quite get that right. Yes. Unless there yes. is something horribly... Yes. Says the person just stopped. Welcome to a Marwat edition of Life Behind Bars, the cycling podcast that <laughs> under pressure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> welcome it's to Life Behind Bars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, just because I set it up and then you, you were both looking at me. Well, consider yourself welcome to Life Behind Bars, the cycling <laughs> podcast that. Um, Speaks up. Yeah, like that. You it see. talks about cycling uh, against the background of a uh, Lyon cafe. Oh, let's give,
0: it, give us the the, the proper intro. I was a proper intro. No, no. no, no. Like Try the...
1: so again.
0: we well, you do to it. <laughs> well, I will. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: I'm to yeah.
0: <laughs> Welcome to life behind bars, the amateur cycling podcast that stops for coffee. Anagato with Pro Peloton Opinion. Uh, I'm Graham Wilgoss, with me in Lyon. We've stopped at Lyon Cafe, boys. With me this week, as ever, David Quainton. Yo. The the something to my something. I haven't had time to think of anything. No, no. And uh, Stephen Balby. Chapeau. The non-finisher to my finisher. Oh, boo. It's a low blue, but
1: (laughs) OK. It's a start there. It's early. It's gone early. So So two of 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 us (laughs) did 5,000 metres of climbing
0: yesterday.
1: Yeah, Yeah. One of us didn't. Surely we have something better to talk about
0: than... All right, we're coming in hot. We're coming in hot. So we're not going to go straight into the Marmot. Uh, I tell you what, boys, why don't we set the scene and then we'll, we'll, we'll ease into it. So we're sat at a, a beautiful little courtyard cafe on the, uh, the back cobbled streets of Lyon. We've had uh, a lovely glass of rose by the river. The Marmot was yesterday, so we're recording on Monday afternoon. Uh, and we've just seen the the final 25 kilometers of stage three of the tour de france won by david julien alaphilippe otherwise known as julien alaphilippe begbie <laughs> begbie from you. of course because um, because he looks he looks like, like begbie like 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 there's, there's look not much like to Begby. it is there yeah. I, uh, I mean you missed 10k because you fell asleep i was snoozing season. and it was, it, was, oh, it was such a nice snooze after yesterday's marmot i finished yeah I also finished yeah. the Marmot yesterday. Uh, so, to give us the top three... Unique, Alif- uniquely, at this table, I finished it twice. I'm yeah. throw that out there? Yeah, fair play. <laughs> you know, if, if, you, if you're going to put that out there, you have to back it up, and you can back that up.
1: Um, so I've I'm been la- explaining to you, the Marmot is... I mean, it's really a sportive, isn't it? And It's, it's beyond the... Uh, Here's a question, Steve. It's the notice. Off the so. back of zero training yes. and being you, yes. can you finish the Marmot?
0: Well, if you're me... We're going to come to that in a second, yeah. because you had a unique weekend it's fair <laughs> to say oh that's the ambience we weren't looking for we were looking for lovely cafe ambience not not motorcycles motorbikes should be uh, there should be a legal limit on the noise there. i make. think that was brad on the moto for Eurosport. Was, yeah. yeah so um we've seen stage one uh, so, sorry obviously we've seen stage one and two this weekend uh or at least the the denouement of each Today we've seen stage three. Uh, we've seen, seen stage three in Leon. Before coming to Leon, where have we been, gentlemen?
1: I've been. Uh, I've been at Heathrow. I've been <laughs> at Gatwick. Um, I've been at Gatwick and Heathrow on Saturday. And not Luton. Really?
0: So let's let's just set this up, Steve, and then we're going to press play I'll on you, and you're then. and you're going to go. Well,
1: David, do you want me to tell this story? Yes.
0: Yeah, we, we really do. So
1: it doesn't reflect well on you.
0: Look, we've your... been talking about this since January um, on, on the Life Behind Bars podcast. Uh, you've, you've probably been as, as, as loyal listeners you've been following us on Twitter on Instagram David our Twitter and Instagram handles uh, at LB pod and uh, life behind bars podcast and, and which is which there uh, the latter is Instagram thank you so we've talked a lot about the Marmot it's finally not only is it finally here but it's finally done as well oh, a bit like our feet. <laughs>
1: Well, why don't you describe your day? Okay. You know that the steepest street now officially in the world has been, has been officially made, officially recognised as that one near Harlech? In Harlech, yeah. So, um, Although I think you can only come down with it anyway. We covered this before. But it did remind me one more thing we were supposed to do this year. Are you now in shape for it, having done half a marmot?
0: Well, uh, would we call that half? <laughs> yeah, less than half a mile. Yeah, just over a quarter,
1: I think <laughs> I've I been mean for seven hours. I've got to be, I'm sorry. I'm sure
0: right. seven hours.
1: Yeah.
0: What? How? What, where?
1: Well, over five at the point I abandoned, and um, close to uh, probably over an hour and a half on out to it. So, as we are recording, so
0: we left our chalet, that chalet apartment. I like chalet. Chalet, it's a chalet, and you'd shaved one leg. And I was riding with you to the start line, and we, went, we had to go up about 100 meters before we went down uh, the lower half of Outdoors. And in that 100 meters, I would say about 98, 98 meters of it were you complaining that your legs weren't right.
1: Oh, and um, of 97 of that, I was considering shaving my legs while riding because <laughs> I had razors in my back pocket.
0: Steve, were you complaining that your legs weren't right from a physical, like I don't have the the power and stamina required to be able to do this race point of view, or were you complaining that they weren't right from an aesthetic point of view? Well, every point of view,
1: they were they were they were just wrong. Not only were they not right, they were wrong, Um, and they were wrong aesthetically. They were asymmetrical. One was hairy. One was not. One was bleeding. One was not. Uh, and they felt terrible. It's a terrible. fascinating that-
0: I think I speak on behalf of every other member of the human race when I say it's a fascinating decision to shave your legs or your leg on top of the gland on. Sorry.
1: Sorry. During is the marathon. I would posit that it's an entirely understandable decision if you at that point have one shaved leg. Did you also do it in part to take a rest? I wouldn't. I didn't go harder on the glandons to take a rest at the top. I was waiting for Graham. You know. But the re- reason I, I went ahead of Graham uh, and uh, for two reasons: a, because sometimes if you go a bit harder, it feels slightly easier because yeah. you can get you can turn the legs over faster and you just fill in more of a rhythm. Yeah, I think everyone's
0: experienced if you're if you're trying to go with someone who's slightly slower than you, for example, it's actually harder than riding your own pace for sure
1: so there's that and then I just sort of pressed on because I was just you know getting up it. and then I realized at some point uh if I pressed on a bit further I would have enough time to shave my legs so I did and then it turned out that Graham just rode past me and I and I still suspect that in fact he didn't ride past me on act by accident he saw me and I either consciously or subconsciously was embarrassed and just kept going
0: Went deep into the well. Said, "Right, I've got to drop this guy." Is that in fact what you did? With, do? with this, this guy with one shaved leg. Were you like it? Well, yesterday, you if, were just burying yourself on behalf of myself. <laughs> <laughs> if I may. Yeah. I, I, Stephen was riding with me yeah. when we began the Glandon. Mm-hmm. and it's a long way. Just, world just, world just, on, just under thirty. Off, so yeah. well, Steve, Steve's there, and he's laying out his sort of manifesto for the race, if you will, yeah. and he's going come on, mate, you know, I'm going to ride with you all the way. I'm going to be a de- domestic today. Five minutes later, he's nowhere to be seen, <laughs> which is really odd, Steve, because up until that point that weekend, you were, re- you were ultra reliable yeah, as well. Yeah, it's really weird, so weird. strange behaviour, There was really. no indication.
1: Yes, well, Graham's referring to the fact that I only arrived at the race at 1am on, on the Saturday. I had three hours sleep, had enough time to have a coffee, And what did I have just for breakfast? Sorry, Um, you could sleep. You got up at half past three and had a coffee. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I didn't have a coffee. I I got up at half three, lay there staring into the abyss mentally as I suddenly realised, oh, God, I've got to do the marmot. I haven't really considered (laughs) this at this point because I haven't trained and I have just got here and now I'm getting up again to do the marmot. So that was a bit of a shock. Anyway, so I got up and then I joined you chats for breakfast and we were faffing around with. Bikes, and I didn't have enough time to eat anything, and I grabbed whatever food I could find, which happened to be three Special K Muesli bars off the off the counter in the chalet, um, and, so and, and shoved Joker. them in my back pocket. Shaved one <laughs> leg, <laughs> hastily, and mended the the saddle height of of the bi- borrowed David's bike, which I was borrowing because I was how, how so much? committed was I that I didn't even bother to bring my own bike. And uh, then got shouted at by YouTube. Hurry up! And and then just got on the bike and 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 rode. And I have to tell you, after ten minutes of riding towards the start, that was the longest ride I'd done since last year's Marmot.
0: <laughs> so um, I, I've got a question. I mean, I've got a lot of questions. But so we're staying. We're doing the Marmot, right? so david just give us a, a quick pressy of of the marmot in in, in three sentences a uh, hundred miles 110 100 yeah, yeah just over 100 miles Five thousand meters of climbing across four uh well known last
1: we deal in miles it was 174 kilometers
0: fine 174 k's so the first one is the Glandon, which is a 30k climb 28 just that, yeah. Climb, yeah so you're up and down the Glandon into the valley then the second 40k kind of Forty k. Forty k's. Yeah. So it's a, a, a slow and almost um, uh, imperceptible climb towards the bottom bit, yeah. of the telegraph, which is eleven k. At seven percent I think it's slightly more than eleven Yes, around that. It's, it's it varies. Um but not by much. So you're then down the telegraph for about six K and that brings you to the foot of the glibier. And the glibier is nineteen K. Nineteen K, and that's uh, a gradient of I think it's around eight. A bit, basically the first two-thirds, well, the first half of it, time-wise, is really quite steady. Then it gets really grumpy. <laughs> so so you start grumpy. To get a real grind you grind. So not only percentage-wise, but you're also you're starting to really climb into altitude because that tops out at well over 2,000 metres, right? There we are. So, and then you are this beautiful loop back down, which is almost all uh, a, a, a descent, back down to Bourges lesson which is at the foot of Alpe d'Huez, where the race began. And if you're through the time barrier by 6.15, yes. which I must confess <laughs> I was not, but we'll come to that. Anyway, Steve, my question for you, the first question of many, really, now that we've had time to digest this, because we're talking about this back in London, having given it, having given it a go uh, in Lyon at a, at a cafe with some lovely ambience. No, in, instead, we're, we're here. Um, so my, my question really is, given that we were doing this as part of a tour as well with, with um, Emma's company, Mellow Jersey, who had not only organised our lodgings for us, but they had also organised breakfast, meaning <laughs> you did not have to cook or make your own breakfast. It was just there for you. Given that breakfast began at 6 and you left at 20 past 7, how did you not have time to eat it?
1: Well, I was having to set my bike up, wasn't I, and uh, do other things such as uh, change cleats on my shoes because I didn't have any cleats which fit David's pedals.
0: And so you did, on the, on the journey back from the airport, you were a passenger and you were told to change your cleats over at that
1: point. Uh, but I didn't have the right tools for that, you see. Uh, and then I had to do other things like, you know, um, uh, evaluate all my life choices this year. Uh, so that took up a fair amount of time. Um, and then, you know, I didn't want to just be Johnny come lately, eat all the cheese. So I I didn't want to just, you know, reach over someone and eat all the cheese. So I just had like a slice of meat, which happened to be in, in reaching range i mean we were both
0: at that past know there was a place you do at the table
1: and there was plates full of everything including pasta and i know that pasta like it would be difficult to digest because i had a very you know delicate stomach at that point given that i had i mean i think we really need to start this story the day before where i turned up to gatwick um well well, i think we're gonna start it anywhere i think
0: we need to start it at the beginning yeah which is when we turned up. At well, there were
1: some missed flights, weren't there?
0: There were some missed flights. Well, one was your fault. You Very much it.
1: in keeping. Well, I think we need to go even further back than this and dub this, what you called it, the Trumpton Cycling Tour. <laughs> yeah. uh, what? Yeah. One collective failure of our organisation and planning after another. Um, really? We both
0: got the flight we were supposed to, got out there with our bikes, assembled them in good time, had two days of riding to get our legs in, ate breakfast the morning of the Marmot, Rode down to the start line on time and completed the marmots
1: both better than last year. That's true, actually. Well done. <laughs> well, done <laughs> well done both of you. Oh, so I will a not success. kill against either of our organisational
0: capacities. Thank you very much.
1: A success in spite of everything. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so whereas my story it was very different. Um, obviously, no training, and then uh, missed the flight out there due to work And on the Saturday, I was prevailed upon, you know, guilted into actually turning up anyway. Having, um, Steve, having decided you were not going
0: to get the flight on the Thursday, not the Friday, on the Thursday, what did you then ask us to do once we were through security? What can you not leave the country without or return to it without oh, that?
1: Oh, yes, yes. You had to, to post my passport uh, <laughs> that I myself had to have carried round from somewhere else in a taxi to your place, David. Uh, uh, that she then took to the airport and then posted back to a, a third the, address. The issue is that what, the, it turns out that the other side of security at Luton Airport, there is no
0: post box. So I basically had to, I, I bought you an envelope at um, WX Smith. I put the passport in it, wrote on it in crayon, because so I could only find a crayon that was available, your address. I not why it was written in crayon. <laughs> gave it to a, put a couple of stamps on it and gave it to a security man who seemed trustworthy and said, please, can you post it? He did, to be fair. gave my
1: passport to a random <laughs> security guy. Jesus. Did you receive
0: your passport on time? sure
1: oh, th- thanks for that. Um, okay, so uh, my passport—I've been playing fast and loose with my passport security. I'm but sorry, sorry David. I, I won't have just... to accuse anyone
0: else of playing fast and loose. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> so anyway, so David, David decided. David said, "Oh, don't worry. We'll get. We'll get." He he decided to buy me a new flight on the basis that um for some reason it was cheaper to buy it from europe the same flight as it was from buying it from the uk now i didn't see it actually understand why this should be so and then later we understood why so anyway i didn't know no 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 i'm sorry not
0: not not fully accurate i think we decided that you should be out there and therefore we decided to split the cost of your second flight which we did but david then booked you a flight for the following (laughs) saturday not
1: well yes we didn't notice this obviously until i got to the gate for the flight having had to travel down from the midlands the day before And there had been a fire on the line in Wellingborough, which meant that I couldn't get the train straight to St. Pancras. So I had to do a six-hour trip, a circular trip, which meant going to London and then back up again uh, to get to I overnighted in in Hertfordshire um, to collect my passport from somewhere near the airport. Um, Then had three hours sleep uh, due to that, got up, Got to the, got to Gatwick on time, got to the gate ticket refused couldn't board, mystified as to why I checked the ticket thirteenth of july uh it was for this that day was the sixth uh, I rang David up calmly and said uh, is there anything you um you might want you you might notice about uh the irregularities on that boarding ticket and to his credit he he just said. Oh, right, yes. Uh, Well, stand by, I'm going to buy you a new ticket. Um, I I suggested, you know, we might want to call it quits at this point, but he wouldn't be denied to his credit. Um, And that led me to immediately then travelling to Heathrow um, for a flight at three o'clock, which was then delayed um, by a failure of the computer systems at Heathrow and, and didn't get into Leon until almost nine o'clock and then um at that point you had to record the first sense of humor failure of the day from our host Emma Dyson. See uh, we should we should give her a
0: big thank you for checking out to pick you up. Um, to Grenoble yeah. so from halfway up out of to Grenoble.
1: In a in a lightning storm has to be said it was very dramatic.
0: It was yeah. yeah 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 anyway so you eventually did the race well we say did so, it. Yeah
1: got I'm in not... at one o'clock uh got up again at a couple of hours later just uh, get, didn't us. Have any food, get just out of any- the race with one shaved lick.
0: having failed to get out any euros at Heathrow where you <laughs> had an abundance of time did you did you not then have a little drama with the cash machine at Leon? oh
1: yes yes I had to there was two cash machines at um at uh, Lyon airport and neither of them worked so I had to call up Barclays and Ascertain that it was the machine not my card um, and then had David calling me up and saying, well, you've only got 20 minutes uh, to uh, get cash for the coach to get to Grenoble. And then 15 minutes late to go, he called me up again. Well, you've only got 15 minutes now. And then 10 minutes later, 10 minutes, you know, uh, and then five minutes. I just ignored him at that point because I was literally running around the airport looking for a cash machine. I think I covered almost every square meter of the airport eventually in desperation i simply went up to the coach and in my broken french asked whether they would take a card and they immediately said yes why of course we would um so managed to get on the uh on the coach and all was well um so i i say started started the race in some mm-hmm. in some disrepair um with the sudden realization that it might actually rain And of course, I hadn't got a raincoat other than some sort of makeshift freebie that David passed on to me from Ride London several years ago, uh, which much to my amazement found still managed to squash into the saddlebag attached to your bike. So
0: if you take all the... uh, the puncture repair kit out and just distribute it along the road instead of giving it back to David then then you'll find you've got a lot of room in there
1: so I started the race late because I was you know trying to stuff this large jacket into the saddle bag uh caught you two up David went off I acted as a fantastic domestique for at least the first 10 kilometers um then then (laughs) then we lost each other why what, what? missed what each other
0: oh yeah we well, somehow i don't know it's crazy how
1: that <laughs> <laughs> then you just said
0: just then you silently just put the put the pedal down put the hammer down and just rode away
1: oh yeah what did you think at that point was it swearwood uh,
0: well i mean to be fair mate i wasn't
1: surprised <laughs> well even at that point you were weaving over the road to try and save to try and save your legs. I thought, oh God, it's going to be a really long day. It wasn't, it wasn't my intent to ride And on
0: there's a descent, and then it's very steep. Just it's after pretty, now, yeah, a was 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 spicy meatball straight yeah. afterwards, yeah. um, Steve, what did you say? So, well, actually, I'm not going to do this as question and answer. I'm, I'm merely going to relay yeah. this, how it happened. So we're all lined up in the start pen. Um, time is ticking away. I am very conscious that I am going to need every minute I can out on the road in order to be able to get to Bordeaux at 615 for the the time cut off in order to be allowed to keep my race number and have a crack at Alpe Duez. So I say out loud to you, two, to you, to you both, uh, this is not playing to my strengths. And <laughs> so the beat goes by, and Steve turns to us and goes, "What cycling?" <laughs> Thanks, mate.
1: And yeah. well, I genuinely thought that's what you meant. I couldn't. I
0: couldn't <laughs> meant <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. so we we forward back to where we were before, which is you having just finished shaving your leg um, near the top of the glandon. On, um, you couldn't find Graham. So what you carried on, and then you, what you bonked.
1: Well I waited I was up there for half an hour and we were already near the back and I was thinking either Graham has come to grief, in which case he's abandoned or is walking up or couldn't possibly have taken this long. So I reasoned that well I'll just have to carry on um down the Glendon and take it slowly. Um I was riding your bike with your carbon wheels anyway, so I I was reticent to I had to stop every every now and again to check just check that they weren't overheating Because i was um, riding on a break i buy basis how did you find it? i was absolutely fine in the end uh, got down to the flag at the bottom where the timing mat restarts for anyone who doesn't know the gland on descent is neutralized for safety uh meaning they stopped the time at the top and then restart in the valley at the bottom um i rang up emma who was tracking all of us and said um graham hasn't caught me up yet um because i was waiting for a bit at the bottom as well and and she said oh there's he's he's there's quite a distance between you and then and then a beat of is he ahead of you and i and i looked at it i thought well okay is that possible and then and then a further beat and she said no i think he's some way ahead of you um and i think later we realized you were about 20 kilometers ahead of me at this point and my initial reaction was oh my god how did that happen and then yes um because i thought <laughs> oh it's on it's on <laughs> you know uh that's great because uh the 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 mission to beat the time limit is on and then my third thought was i'm right at the back of the race now the chase is on this is absolutely excellent so i set off with the bit between my teeth very much so um so far behind almost every one of the eight thousand other people was was either despite chewing the handlebars for the next 20 minutes I failed to catch anyone up um then eventually made my way into some back markers and who were going who ended up going after I overtook them going much faster than I expected them to I was still it really heated up at this point it didn't the rain didn't really materialize in any serious fashion and I had to stop to dis sort of dis, robe myself somewhat of, of, of an underlayer I was wearing because it felt like a fairness um, and at that point in trying to catch up again I absolutely exploded because of course at this point you know <laughs> f- four hours in or something um, I had gone through my three special K muesli bars and and as I got to the foot of the telegraph I absolutely exploded in a spectacular bonk and so far gone was I at that point that I did not recognize it as a bonk and just thought, well, this is, I feel just terrible. And all I needed to do was roll back down to the town, buy a pie and mash or something, and I'd have been absolutely fine. But I think I was already so far behind in sort of giving up. My goal was to work my way back to Graham and just sort of silently ride past and reposition myself on 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 the front, of on his front um and without a word and just continue making the pace um but I I started to realize that that would seem like a a scant hope um and if I stopped for another half an hour I'd probably be waving goodbye to any chance of making the time limit myself Uh, so in the end um I went on Emma's advice I went back down to the um village the town and waited for Le broom? Le broom wagon. Uh, in fact, I went to the um, feeding station and gestured, uh, and in, in broken French, sort of "ouais le broom wagon," eschewing uh, the perfectly good French word "autobus." Um, for this purpose, they eventually cottoned on and gestured to where uh, um, about. 10 very forlorn looking sad men <laughs> sat on the ground, uh, disconsolate at the first point at which the broom wagon was due to stop that day. Um, they looked in quite good shape, actually. There was nowhere really. That would make you look like okay. a Sorry? That's because they hadn't ridden a full arm so you know they... Well, there you go. Um, anyway, we uh, took some time to get on the bus, but the bikes upside down on hooks in a trailer, and uh, indeed, then just as 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 my as my story will terminate for the time being, and we will pick up with uh, yours and Graham's travails. Um, you found me tracing the route behind Graham on the autobus on the autobus and stopping to pick up more forlorn hopes. Uh, okay. How did you
0: feel then, Graham? Up so the second time of the day, as you said, is is the telegraph. Uh, last year you stopped on top of the telegraph, had chips in a Mars bar. How did last, you this year? a lot of this stuff, as we know, with any sort of endurance event, like feet, whatever, it's in your head. Yeah. So when you know what to expect and you, you and I'd eaten very well. So I'd I'd well boy. Uh I had basically had maybe two thirds of the food that I was carrying with me on the Glendock, yeah. so I'd gone through four packets of baby food. Very squeezy, <laughs> uh, delicious they are as well. As we know, this stuff is a lot of this stuff is in your head. So once you've done it before, and you, and I and I can remember just how difficult the Telegraph was before mm. last year um and i was right at the back of the race and there was this time around i had the sort of extra momentum of of knowing that i'd passed an awful lot of people at the top of the gland it was a proper race village up there still when i went through and i barely spent any time up there at all um and i'd eaten an awful lot big thing boy um i'd had maybe four packets of baby food those delicious squeezy things sort of banana (laughs) flavor whatever Whatever. they were very good um a couple of a couple of sort of um, dense energy bars, you know, yeah. not like the special case <laughs> <laughs> bars. You right find so many cyclists <laughs> using, and one more tea, so. <laughs> um, and, and and drunk, uh, drunk very well too. So I, I sort of taken on a lot of what I had. Panache, Yes, of yeah, 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 yeah. course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so energy wise, I, I I had the I had the path to be able to get to the top of Telegraph, and and um, I was able to just sort of grind through it. Didn't stop. Got to the top as a homage to um, the two people I ended up riding the Telegraph with last year, Rich and Karen. Um, I I stopped in the same cafe and then got a a, a ham and and cheese sandwich and a a fizzy drink, and didn't go for the Mars Bar and chips this year. It was a very quick turnaround at the top of the Telegraph. I reckon I was there for less than ten minutes this time, which is significant. Yes, 15 minutes. Yes. (laughs) Um, So. I was we, at, at this least stage. We started later than last year. Yeah, which didn't help I mean, me get into the. We were, on, we were the, about 20 minutes later. Yeah, facts. So, fact. yeah. Um, so I, I, uh, having got to the top of the telegraph, I was actually feeling like it was within my grasp because yeah. it was maybe 1 pm by this stage. And so I was thinking, timing wise, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I, need, I know I need to get a move on here. Um, and then down the telegraph yeah. into the valley, my chain came off, which was slightly annoying. And that cost me a little bit more time than it probably should have done. Yeah uh you know you get all panicked as well yeah. oh, something's, exactly. something's not gone right I anyway i did catch up two of the people from our group flora and orla at the feed station at the bottom of the right. telegraph having got on to the back of a what i can only describe as a spanish limousine mm-hmm. these lads all Hello, are, flora and the these, yeah, these these lads all in red yeah. um who, who were well they were clearly spanish um and and god bless them they towed me to the feed station because mm-hmm, nice. uh, i did very little work on that on that train um and then from there on up you, you know that the Glivier is a, a long... Did you stop at the feed station East 3k and 4k? No I didn't, it. I just rode through it because it's a shortcut isn't it? It's a shortcut around the corner. You can either go wide... On the, no right? the one that's on the long straight, it's near the bottom of Glivier. Ah no I didn't stop at that one either. Yeah. What which, which feed station am I thinking of then? Because there's a feed station on a bend that you can go into and cut the bend off. That is just a water station with a couple of dates basically and that's up month. Yeah. That's about halfway up the telegraph last didn't, year. It was didn't, stop, didn't stop there. Either. Mm. Uh right, so I and mean, I, I kept taking on the salts my jersey mm. was salty. Yeah, by the end. Jesus. It was it was kind of grey rather than black by I mean, the and just coloured white But different. you were you would have been way out ahead. You'd have been on, onto the you'd have been halfway up the the by this point. Well my my day was fairly more prosaic, I think, than anyone's the stages in many ways, because I set off I did exactly what I wanted to do up Glandon, which was I just watched my heart rate. I was way within myself. I was twenty beats a minute, less. What time are you at the top of the land on? I couldn't I don't know what time it was, but it was exactly the same time as last year, but with much less effort. Um, and we'd left later as well. And we left later. So uh but then my telegraph time was much quicker again with less effort. Then uh it was all going swimmingly, Gillibier I did about forty minutes faster because I only stopped once because I felt some cramp coming on, but I just cleared it out. I saw another one of our party at the feed station there, got onto the top of Glibier and um shot down off it, but I, I was up the top of uh I was able to kind of measure my timing on top of Glibier, because I was up there by uh three fifteen in the afternoon. I was up the glandon by ten to ten. So I don't I don't think I can to doing picture. Actually I can tell you when I was at the Glandon. So we le- we left at ten past eight probably in the end. Yeah. after Stephen had told me that my strength was not so I was, cycling. I was up there uh, uh half past did you say ten past 10? 10, to ten? Ten to ten. Ten to ten. Yes. Oh, so nine forty nine. I was only up there twenty I was up there twenty minutes before And then yeah, just had the, the best descent ever off of um Galibio. It was quite windy, but um enjoyable nevertheless. I was passed by one person this year which really annoyed me when he did and it turned out it was this guy that I we'd kind of inadvertently had this little race up um the gland on with because as, as your your pace is never really that consistent depending on the um the grading and some people pass you and then you pass them again anyway he came extremely past me I got to the bottom without two airs felt okay got to the last three k and my legs exploded there we go. The last 3k of um outdoors took me 30 minutes because the inside of my thigh is cramped. That's crazy. Um, and so was, it's, it's the, the gradient has eased off by that point as well. I've done it, I've broken the back of it, and I was going to be what I wanted to be. which was in my head, I wanted to be inside nine hours, so I wanted to be in the eight something. Um, and yeah, it just killed me. The last half of um outdoors, I want to feel it coming on, and I was trying to preserve myself. And then it just still went and (laughs) to the extent that they just wouldn't clear and normally you leave it like maybe at 30 seconds to a minute your legs kind of clear and you can go again gingerly but you can go again and then they clear out properly but they just wouldn't clear because the the poodle back to borge de son that killed me when you when you do have to start putting some effort in yeah because it it, there is a little bit of yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and that just motivation wise is a killer because it's also longer than you expect and you know that you're still about 15 k's outside yeah, yeah, like yeah. 20 k's yeah. outside borge and yeah that like that and the then one. from that point borge actually comes along quite quickly yeah because it's kind of there's, there's adrenaline isn't there but yeah so i <laughs> so anyway my legs were so bad that the, the left one cleared and the right one didn't so i actually did the last 250 meters under the top of our durets before you kind of go around to the finishing line the last kind of proper bit of climbing the first finishing line that most people know um with one leg it one leg clipped in and the other foot just dangling into the side <laughs> um looking like like i'd never ridden a bike before in my life basically <laughs> but you you did it in what was your finish time nine, very impressive Nine eighteen. so yeah um, i was I, initially i was i was a bit disappointed to be honest um but i kind of got round it because my um you can't be disappointed with that steve let's let's bring you back in here because I'm making my way back to bourges de Sonde. You are still in the broom wagon. And You've got well, you in the broom wagon. you're aware of just how close I am to the, the, the timing gate where they, they do not allow you through with your race number
1: if you, are, if you reach it beyond 6.15. Yes. Yeah, so um, my uh, purgatory in the bus had lasted some six hours at this point. And a lot, excuse, a lot of excuses in that bus as well from, you know. oh yeah everyone had a different excuse and and what I found the most sort of tragicomic was as we were going up to Galibier all these, all these guys all these sort of gangs of CFOs from Guernsey uh, were looking at it as if for the first time and going ah oh, we really did the right thing guys we'd have never made it up here and sort of gasping as if this this 2,600 meter climb was beyond um, anything they had ever imagined, um, and and we crested over the top. Um, the bus was filling up. Uh, they had started putting some bikes in the side pods of the cap the coach rather than the carrying trailer. Um, and we got over the top, and obviously I felt at this point that there um, no, no one was likely to be picked up on the descent of the Galibier because that's very much the point to which you think you can get back to Bourg Um And, and my t- my attention, I sort of came round from a semi doze. Um, it was very hot, very uncomfortable. I was very hungry still. Um, and I was just think, I was conferring with Emma, who was telling me that, you know, David passed her, that, that she had seen you. David looked very um, cheerful and, and you slightly more sort of. Um, I can buy it by this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, sort of in, a, in, a, in an ephemeral, ephemera, ephemeral sort of in-between world, I would say, was the expression the time, on yeah. your face. Enjoy descending more than you do. That was yeah, always right. my
0: favourite part of the day, descending. I am you not a fan of descending, not one bit. Especially, I, I my bike had disc brakes on, so I could just go late into every corner. It was so much fun. But it was if you're not if you're not a confident descender, it was quite windy that day, and the crosswinds were actually a bit could be a bit scary actually if, if you got caught by one. And um, There were a lot of people who
1: descending very gingerly. Um, Safety first. Safety second. <laughs> well, I would suggest that in safety terms, I was the most imperiled being on the bus because I don't, for most people that would have never been on a coach on top of the Col de Libye. Um But I can tell you, it's a hair raising experience because from your high point, you can see out the window and directly down the side off can the can road into people? the valley. Yes. So
0: because, you know, when you're on your bike, at least you feel you, you have the perception of control because you can slow yourself down. Oh, when indeed. Some crazy French driver hammering you down there on a rickety old bus. Yeah. And
1: I can tell you that that coach was not fully in control a lot of the time and it was precariously close to the edge. And, one, and at one point, uh, one wheel did go off the side of the road to a huge bump, which woke up the entire coach it seemingly really. everyone suddenly was like Whoa, what's going on so, get, um, you, that's, I've got an idea yeah. did you get the Italian job going through your head well yes it was it was not it was not a comfortable experience and uh, anyway we got down the other side and I was standing to attention as it were um, it, was, it was that exciting this <laughs> was that I mean, the you like her, is not it? <laughs> I was standing to your attention, looking out for, in anticipation of seeing Graham. What, um, oh, what was he going to do with it Very different sort of podcast this week. <laughs> anyway, so, essentially, I I knew like, there was a big clock at the front of the coach, and and I knew that Graham had to get into a song before six fifteen, and I knew that if I saw him at the top of the Galibier, or anyway you know, halfway down that he was, it was curtains for him. So I was very much every corner we went around praying that I wouldn't see him. And I was conferring with Emma as to where he was. And I genuinely felt like he had a really good shot to make it. He he told everyone that he'd crested Glibier just before five, which is very much the point to which, you know, you need a strong, a fast, fast ascent, but you can still make it. So you definitely have a shot. And as we were going, got off the Glibier and in that sort of, bit you just mentioned before you come into de son which go it seems to go on for a lot longer than you think I suddenly saw you and you look very tired and I checked the clock and I thought oh well, you're not going to make it and you're just going to miss it by you know five to ten minutes and I was gutted I was absolutely gutted for you and <clears throat> I uh, conferred with Emma who was who's going to meet me in de son and we got I got out of the coach and reclaimed David's bike um, from a very Unhappy Frenchman uh, who had to take it out, despite me having uh, actually missed the first round of everyone getting their bikes out because I was looking out for Graham. Had to suddenly go up to him and say, I'll need that one at the back as well. And he was not happy. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do anything for French Anglo French relations there. So, um, but very much focused on when Graham was coming in because I saw a guy set up a fence across the road but he wasn't waving people down yet and yet there was a timing pad just preceding that and i was willing you in just before he stopped he started waving people down and i suddenly saw his his arms go up he he you know got in front of a guy who just came in and said no no you must stop here so uh, for you i'm going to take off your race number i looked the other way graham came round the corner i sprinted over and shouted what did i shout at you graham can you they're
0: closing the gate just sprint through they're closing the gates just sprint yeah yeah
1: and much to your credit you had the presence of mind despite being very tired at this point to sort of realize what i was sort of shouting incoherently at you and 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 hilariously you did exactly that you just put your head down and barreled through despite his <laughs> best attempts to stop you so at that point that was vindication of my entire six hour ordeal in the bus and I felt very very pleased with the world at that point because it was it was like everything it come full circle and it was meant to be um, and then and then you stopped two corners up up I got in the van with Emma and you and you requested a coke a coke to two corners up and we came to meet you, and then I got David's bike out of the car, and um <laughs> and then the rest was history. We rode, we rode up together in glory. i like uh, to think
0: the, the, the rest was alternative fact history for for someone. <laughs> <laughs> I, so keeping in mind that I have ridden out to airs a couple of times before, and I know fine well that the last few hairpins get longer and longer. And you're telling me with every other hairpin, oh no, it's just around the next corner. You can see the finish on the next mm-hmm. corner. I'm going. Steve, I, I know that you can't. I've written this, this before. I know fine well you can't even see it from the village on top of DS. Bless,
1: bless you for trying.
0: <laughs> Can you please stop lying to me?
1: Well, this is in the best traditions of race marshals, who typically in running races, will always you'll always shout at them breathlessly, how far is there to go? And they'll say two miles, and then it turns out that there's three miles. Or they'll say worse for just just a bit, and and the, and you will say, well, what does that mean? Because I need to time my sprint to finish. Anyway, I decided that the best way to get Graham through it was to was to engage his natural his natural rage. Um, so <laughs> you know, I very much That's coached that? the bear, oh, and uh, such such such. You know that was his uh, sort of you know he needs to go to that place. I feel to 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 to, to find that last wellspring of of. Of um, spirit to get him up those. What is a very testing and long uh, final, and uh, once he was in that place, he was right in the zone. He didn't stop, um, and uh, he cut. You know, we we were going past a lot of people who'd been to the top and came were coming down again, oh, and sorry. they were all saying "allez," and some were saying in English, "Come on, bravery, courage, courage," and to every man, Graham acknowledged their their friendly friendly <laughs> salute to a fellow brave. With a, with a magnificent fuck you. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it
0: wasn't quite like that, was it? It was it was more like my my problem at that point was, rightly or wrongly, and I think I said this out loud, and some guy in a Welsh jersey heard me and, and found it quite funny. But I said to you quite loudly, basically these dickheads who have already done it and they're they're hollering at you on their way back down the climb. All they are doing is drawing attention to the fact that they've finished. They're feeling magnificent because they finished. And actually, when someone is, uh, when when someone's doing that, as far as I'm concerned, at that point, all they're doing is 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 rubbing it in your face, going, "Oh, come on, mate, I finished." See, I, I feel the opposite, when they're doing to me, I'm like, I feel it's a lovely boost, and I, I I always take it like as it's intended with kindness it gives me a little boost I mean, a some time. I was able to it was yeah. it depended very no, much dependent on the tone when I said it you know I, 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 but you also knew that I was doing that tongue-in-cheek yeah. as well like you, you know me well enough to know that and um, when I when I gave you some back <laughs> it's um, it a bit spicy the blue, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> uh, but there were, a, there were a couple Steve where the tone I felt like was about right and I was like I was like thanks mate
1: Yes, I mean they had to fight. They had to fall within a very narrow parameters of acceptable <laughs> in terms of t- in terms of tone. Some of them achieved this, so it too, well, congratulations to them. I, I also knew that you were going to miss out on something that David and, and I had experienced the year before. Which on the final, final stretch into the town at the top, uh, there was an, an elderly gent who was very kindly cupping the buttocks of every single rider who went past and giving them a little push. And while if you're out in the street, normally you would probably object to anyone just coming up behind you and placing his hands, you know, in a lingering fashion in your posterior. But I, I have to testify, David and I both agreed very much so on this, that we absolutely welcomed the human contact um, and didn't feel at all violated. We still uh, get of extra wattage that it gave you. <laughs> to well, indeed. And, you know, I wanted Graham to experience that, um, but um, okay, it felt you like, you know, it, did, it was... You did, thank you for that.
0: And then I offered, there were some people behind you, I'm Scandinavian, and I offered them a push too. And the lady very um, sternly told me no. Hmm? Yeah. Under your own, yes. Yeah, but the guy, you under own steam. Yes. I think it's more that I pushed you on the bottom, and it might have be been a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's probably best that you didn't. No, mm-hmm. you know, I waved it past. Good. All, right, well, all, all was above board. So, that, right. so, so Graham um, had the uh, rare distinction of being the official lantern rouge in that you were the last person to get a medal. I don't know.
1: No, I, know. No, I, no, I can testify to this. This is on <laughs> video because um, if you actually check the video, when Graham goes over the line, there's still music playing. He's going. He's going over the timing mat, and there's the the bunting out and the barrier still up. And Emma's there and, and basically making up for, it was very late at this stage, almost gone nine, wasn't it? And she was making up for the lack of the crowd who'd all departed by cheering loudly enough on her own to, to sort of simulate an entire crowd, which I found very touching. But if you check the video, uh, you can actually see a guy who pauses to let you go past and then proceeds behind you and to start dismantling the, the finish just as you cross the line.
0: You are the you are lantern route. Yeah, I, there was a, a chap who let me through and sort of waved me through. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, it felt it felt phenomenally good to have you all there at the top. Mm. Even you, Steve, after fibbing <laughs> to me for about for the preceding seven kilometres, uh, it felt bloody good to have Emma, who was ma- she's making an awful lot of, uh, of encouraging noise, and and, and David there uh so thank you thank you to all three of you actually and particularly to emma whose patience i know was tested at times over the weekend <laughs> mostly by you
1: steve <laughs> yeah. um, but, but, was guess. exclusively by me i was told lately
0: but uh i don't know if this is an endorsement or a disclaimer <laughs> but we like the company so much that uh we went on tour with them so mellow jersey yeah. is um is one to look up one to look after you for the marmot they do all sorts of um a little bit of business to take care yeah. of. They do, they do all sorts of other tours, including the Mallorca 312. Which um, we're looking at doing next year. We are. Um, and they, they, they will also do, if you, if you want it, um, the Marmot Pyrenees. Um, and and at the moment, Emma is, um, she's working hard. She's Emma and Tom, I should say, are working hard supporting um, our man Andrew Patterson on his Le Jog, which we will give you updates with on um, our social media channels. I think... We've wrapped up the NARMOT. I think we have. Do you want to just get? You mentioned our social media channels. There. What, what are they, David? Twitter, on Twitter for at, example. LBB Pod, where you find daily updates with our predictions, making the calculation. Making the calculation. Of <laughs> the, the tour. Um, um, it's gone well enough so far, apart from on some stages. No one could have predicted what would happen. And on Instagram, we are? Uh, life Behind Bars Podcast. Um, talking and making the calculation, actually, as our resident tipster, because you called the first three stages, I think, spot on. Yeah. And then when a, a an unnamed betting company offered you a free bet to try and entice you back in. Yes. The sort of dove from above. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me a free pound. Offered you a free pound. What did you do with that free one-pound bet? stage... Yes, The Tour de France, twenty nineteen, which was blown, which blew the race apart, and one of the great stages, one of the great stages, you know, but awesomely unpredictable as well. I found at sixty six to one, a young man by the name of Wout Baner thought he'll have a chance after a tough stage, and he only went and bloody won it. He only went and did it for you, didn't he? Say, so, well done, quids in, which 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 means well, <laughs> the flights to Leon are on you, which means you're. <laughs> You're still, in, you're still in. the reds, but you have yeah. you climbed out of the reds. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm not going to do is I've, I've withdrawn the money because this is how the betting companies get you. I've arranged yeah. it that you win that first bet. Yeah. Um, so I've, uh, yeah. so in, the, in the great karmic summer of the Trumpton cycling tour, <laughs> um, you, you are the karma has smiled on you again. Yeah. Um, I, think I think it's given me. You know, it's not given me complete recompense, but it said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to give you a break." But look, we're, we're all back in one piece. Um, even you Steve which has been nothing short of sensational yeah uh, and I'm looking forward to doing maybe not the Marmot again straight away but maybe yeah. we'll do that for someone's 40th birthday I don't know yeah. well yes it will be one of ours Stephen will well, we'll, both me and Stephen will be 40 by the Marmot 2021 um, as we mentioned Flora and Orla there um, also a, a little shout out to kind handsome gentle, gentle. buff Ben
1: yes ben <laughs> for Jarvis. being
0: For being all of those things yeah. Does, he know, does Ben know
1: that he's, he's all those things? And he, he must know he looks a bit like Tom Cruise. He he's, he's, to he's the handsomest uh, yes, looking 40 year old, youngest yeah. looking 40 year old. This is Ben, who David randomly met and conversed with on Box Hill one week before we went to the Marmot, and then by sheer chance um, turned out to be part of our group. In with him, yeah,
0: on yeah. the first night. Yeah. So, yes. well, until next time. Until next time. Thank you for listening. This has been a Life Behind Bars. And it will be next week. And it will be again next week. Um, until then, I've been Graham Wilgos. Uh,
1: he has been. Stephen Balby's on the phone. And uh, because because life behind bars never stops, it's Sally from me.
0: Never sleeps. Bye-bye. Jessica Ennis. Jessica Ennis. Ben Jervis. Ben Jervis. Good night. <laughs>